Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome into it. This is the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast here at VolQuest.com. You guys know the rundown by now. $1 for one year. Take advantage if you haven't already. It won't be here much longer. And as always, like, subscribe, follow our work on YouTube by searching VolQuest. Got a three-man crew here today, Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, I am Eric Kane. 41 questions at the time of this recording. Let's jump right into it. Sam Smith, 22-33. With this dumpster fire going on at Auburn right now, will Jeremiah Cobb look at Tennessee again? Is the simplest solution for fixing the secondary just sending more pressure? I'll take the first part of this one, Brent. I think anytime when you have a team that's going to go through a coaching change like it looks like Auburn's going to go through a coaching change, I think any of those kids in the class will just have to sit back and, and reevaluate their options, right? I mean, Jeremiah Cobb's a guy that came here on official back in the summer. Tennessee liked him. I liked to go to, uh, to Auburn. I would imagine that if there is a coaching change, potentially that could be a solution. But uh, until then, not much traction right now. As far as the secondary, I think you've, you've mentioned it a time or two. Great to bring pressure. Hard to do it against a mobile quarterback. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, and back to the first question, with a one-time transfer rule, I mean, you're looking at everybody's roster where there's a coaching change, not just committed the commitment list, but you're looking at their entire roster. To the second question, in the ideal world, yeah, you'd like to bring more pressure, Rob, but when you do that with a mobile quarterback, it can get you into some trouble. What Tennessee needs to have help happen, they need to get home with their, with four more. You know, so they can play a little better zone coverage. I mean, if you're giving a guy time to throw the football, um, that doesn't help your zone coverage. They've obviously got to be better in zone in the back end. It starts there. But adding more pressure to the quarterback certainly would help your coverage on the back end, particularly in those third long situations when you're playing zone and not blitzing. Well, I mean, when, you, when you're playing as bad as Tennessee played on Saturday, I mean, we'll see whether that was a, not, a really bad day at the office or if they really are that bad as we go forward. But – it's kind of, I mean, and Eric, you played defense. I mean, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't when it comes to pressure. I mean, because if you send, you know, five or six guys, you're exposing what is already a weak unit. And if you don't send guys, then, you know, you're you're giving the quarterback more time to expose a weak unit. So, I mean, it's it's a challenge that just about every defensive coordinator, you know, faces like, to some degree or another. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of times – I. You know, I, I understand when you're sitting back there giving so much cushion, and, and that's frustrating. I get it. Um, but from the flip side, it, this team is not great in man either. So it kind of is one of those situations where you do one thing, you should have done the other, and vice versa. Uh, I just think, it, and again, it's tough. But I mean, Tennessee looked like it's Tennessee looked its its best in two years with the staff. Whenever it was getting after it at Pittsburgh, sometimes you got to take your chances against a guy like that. And Anthony Richardson, I, I get it. Uh, we'll go to Joey Mack. Any new developments at the Utah cornerback? Uh, Smith Snowden, I believe is who you're referring to. Tennessee's going to try to get him on campus, try to try to get him here for 
uh, a game this fall. I mean, until that happens, I don't think there's much traction there. He was one of those late offers a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Coach 93, a couple of things here. When the staff looks at LSU, what concerns do they have? First off the board would be Keyshawn Butte, the, the Keyshawn Butte, the wide receiver. He is a really good one. Uh, how will they attack the Tigers? Come hard after the quarterback? Um, or does Hendon, and, and what does Hendon Hooker need to do to become a legitimate Heisman contender? Rob, if you want to take the first part of this with LSU, because Brent, I know that you're, you're going to say Tennessee's got to beat the big boys for Hendon to get up there. Yeah, LSU, I mean, I've not started the deep dive, you know, to, to, you know, to build the matchup out yet. Watch the whole game against Florida State. And, you know, opening weekend, new coach, I don't know how much stock you want to put in it. Um, and then watch, you know, bits and pieces of the Mississippi State game. I, you know, the Mississippi State game was pretty impressive to me, the way they played in the second half. They're, they're pretty solid on defense, even even though they lost what was probably their, their best edge guy in the opener. Um, but I, I am not – like what I've seen from their offense at all. And in the times, and again, I've not watched every snap that they have played, but uh, not a big fan of the quarterback. You know, if they, could, if they can run the ball on you, you're going to have problems, and they're averaging almost 200 yards a game rushing. But uh, if, if, if you can bottle that up, put, put the pressure on the quarterback to throw it, I know we just got done talking about Tennessee's secondary. I, I think that's how you, you – I mean, I think that's what you want to do, make him win the game. And, and is he healthy? I mean, I know he, he left the game the other day. I don't know. I haven't seen an update this week. I think he'll probably be – should be ready by, by the time Tennessee rolls into town. We'll see what happens with, with him this week. But uh, the other thing about LSU is if defensively they've been very offensive, Eric, in, in the fact that they've created a lot of points off turnovers. They, they've forced a lot of mistakes, and they've capitalized on that either directly themselves or they've set up LSU with a short field. Tennessee's done a good job of taking care of the football. That'll have to continue in this game. In terms of Hendon Hooker, um, listen, I mean, Bryce, Bryce Young and, and C.J. Shroud have a big old lead over everybody in the Heisman race in terms of finalists uh, with two quarterbacks there. I think for Hendon Hooker to be in that conversation, legitimately in that conversation, he does have to beat um, – you know, he, he needs to go beat LSU, needs to beat Alabama or Georgia probably to legitimately be in that conversation. I'm not saying that's fair uh, because I think he's playing very well. I, I think sometimes the Heisman stuff gets a little skewed. Um, I, I think a lot of people are just looking at, all right, the, here were two of the favorites coming in. Both their teams are undefeated, so they're still the two favorites. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what you see with, with Ohio State and, and Alabama uh, with their two quarterbacks and why most people are going to be talking about them. And then they're always looking for a surprise guy somewhere, right? I mean, who, who's the guy out of the blue? Is it the kid at Kansas, um, Eric, who's uh, Jalen Smith, who's done a really good job and, and has played really well for Kansas? I know the Minnesota running backs getting a lot of love. I, I don't know that that would be anything legitimate all the way through the season. But the surprise guy might be the Smith kid at Kansas if they can f keep continuing to find ways to win. Yeah, I mean, you, you see a lot of names thrown out there early on. At this point in the season, I mean, Michael Penix Jr.'s name's out there. He's not one of the Heisman. Drake May of Carolina, he's not one of the Heisman. Um, you know, it's Young, William, Stroud, and, and, then, and then a surprise. And I agree with you. If Tennessee can knock off a, a Georgia and Alabama, uh, you know, get to nine wins and, and ten wins is what, what I think you have to be to be a finalist, then I, I think that's what has to happen first. But he's playing good football. You know, he's playing real good football. We'll have to see. Uh, let's go to Athron. A couple of things here. What's the latest on Burrell and Williams? Do we know what type of shoulder injury Williams has, Brent? Uh, of course, Josh Heupel wasn't going to give any type of injury update. 
Uh, I think D Williams is close. I mean, he was, he had pads on warming up for the game uh, against, um, against Florida on Saturday. Burrell, I think could still be a, a little bit before we see him again. Yeah. Shoulders are tricky, right? I mean, it's one of those deals where you got to look at, um, do you risk further injury by playing? How effective can you be, you know, at that position, you know, which range of motion, lots of things like that. You know, D Williams is a guy that I think they've tried to be slow and methodical about in terms of rehabbing him and getting him back with the hope of getting him um, maybe for the, for LSU after the bye. I think that was kind of the thought process when, when he went down in, in fall camp with Burrell, we'll just see. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a chance that could be several more weeks, but you know, again, shoulders are tricky. So we'll see what happens, you know, moving forward with those. Yeah, regardless, they got to play better, Rob. It's not like if you get Burrell back, everything's fixed, or if you get D. Williams back. We've never seen D. Williams play. So no. I think that secondary, just regardless, has just got to play a little bit better. Uh, let's go to – I don't even know. I can't even read this one. But uh, who sees the biggest improvement from Florida week to LSU week? I guess this means in terms of uh, individual player. Um, I, I can start this one off. I, uh, Tamiri McDonald played a really bad game against Florida. Uh, as did Kamal Hatton, I guess I'll cheat and, and say too. I don't think those two guys will play as bad as they did on Florida for you know two straight games. Uh, anybody else come to mind in terms of a bounce back individually? Um, go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say any. I mean, just about anybody you think about would, would come from the secondary. When you, I mean, I, and I'm I'm with you, Eric. I mean, and I don't put a ton of stock in the the PFF numbers. I mean, I I think it's you know some of that's interesting or whatever. But if yeah, I mean, if you go about it the PFF stuff this week, it, it was a tough day for Kamal Haddon and Tamaria McDonald. Those, those are two guys that, you know, and especially as much as we heard about Tamarian and fall camp. I mean, I don't, you know, coaches aren't putting that stuff out there just on a whim. I mean, if they haven't seen a guy perform, they're, they're not going to come in and praise, praise a kid like, like multiple coaches did to Marion. So, um, you know, I, I still think you got to remember he's not played a lot of football. And uh, I, I would look for him to be better, not, not just next week, but as the season goes on and he gets more reps under his belt. Well, and I, I think the interesting challenge there, too, is if you're Willie Martinez and Tim Banks, how much do you look at Wesley Walker more? I mean, Wesley Walker's got more experience than Tamari McDonald has. Good week to do it. You know, and again, I think this is the week where you got to figure out kind of, all right, what, what are some combinations? Do we need to look at some different combinations? That's why. I threw out Danico Slaughter potentially at corner. I don't think they'll do that, but he's third on the depth chart at safety. He's not playing safety anytime soon uh, for, for Tennessee, given where they're at, unless there's injuries there. So I think this is the week that you experiment and look at some things. I mean, what is your bet combination of best five guys? Maybe that's Tavarian McDonald. Maybe that's Wesley Walker. Maybe that's Walker at safety or McDonald at safety. I, I don't know. This would, be, this would be a really good week to look around at some of those options if I, I were those guys. Eric, I think you, I heard you mention the Walker play, you know, getting a look at safety is something you would do. And I'm just, I mean, do we, do any three of us have any reason or cause to believe that whatever they think the best combination, best five are, is not going to include Jalen McCullough and Trevon Flowers? No, those two are playing. I mean, they, they played, I, they played every snap on defense. Every single snap on Saturday. <laughs> they played over 70 snaps, Rob, against Ball State. I mean, those two are going to play safety. You know, at, at least at least that is what it looks like, and and the track record has shown the last year and a half. Uh, let's go to K Jennings three. Any chance Tennessee gets back involved with Sentinel Mill now that MSU season is blowing up? Kind of like what we said earlier. You know, just have to take a look at 
um, all of that potentially. I mean, if he'll if he'll listen, I'm sure it, you know Tennessee would try, but n- nothing there right now. Uh, what will happen first? This is a good question. One 2023 commit added to the class, or two 2024 commits added to the class. Uh, Where's Austin Price with an eye roll and a gasp and an exasperation sigh when when you read that question? <laughs> no, nobody, nobody love nobody loves those. Eric, you want to take this one? Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna take a stab at one of this? Is it gonna be a twenty three? I'm gonna guess it's a twenty three. I mean, I'll take a stab at it. I think it might be two twenty fours. Um, okay, you know that, and I know I know that's kind of a bold take, but uh, where you are with this class, no one's uh, twenty three class. No one's really in a hurry right now, right? I mean, you got some priorities that are looking at maybe later in October. Um, you know, I think that there's some guys in the twenty four class who are just looking to put this behind them. So it's a bold prediction, but if I had to pick one of the two, I mean, I would say I would lean more to the two twenty fours, but. Obviously, we'll uh, we'll have to see. Uh, better chance at eight and four or ten and two. This sounds like the perfect Brent Hubbs question, Rob Lewis. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, um, stay healthy. I think ten and two certainly a possibility out there. Um, I'll go split in the middle and say they're going to be nine and three. How about see, that, that? That wasn't that wasn't a, an answer given. It, now. it doesn't matter for 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 my for Cajun three. That's the answer he's going to get. Nine and three. How about that? I'll cheat. Can we, Rob? Can we agree though? Can we all three agree that I think eight and four is now the floor? If you know, worst case scenario. Well, if if they, if I mean, if they were to finish seven and five, something has gone, yeah, haywire. horribly, horribly wrong. I mean, I don't. I think Butch Jones could finish eight and four with this team. <laughs> hey. Saying something from Rob Lewis there. Uh, let's go to Pine. Four games in. What is something this team may struggle with all year? And then, what is something you think this team will improve on? I think they're going to improve in their punt operation. I think they're going to struggle in in third and long situations if they keep playing zone defense. I was just, I was just going to say secondary. I mean, what again? Like a couple of weeks ago, I I I had the sneaking suspicion that they they might be you know pretty decent on defense, not like top four in the SEC, but you know real solid middle of the pack. And I mean, they've got some work to do to get there. Yeah. I mean, especially, too, if teams play Tennessee to go for it on fourth down. I mean, Napier was calling plays on third and 11, third and 10 that he was going for it on fourth down. There was a third and nine where he was backed up on, I want to say, like his nearest 20, and he ran the football. Picked up the first down, albeit, uh, which is inexcusable, but it was just weird. It's like, you know, what's going on there? It was late well, in the I, game, but still. I, 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 think a lot of, I think a lot of teams play that way. I mean, I think that's the Lane Kiffin effect from a few years ago, and then those guys who are all about analytics – sit here and say, hey, I've got a better chance of getting to, to fourth and three and converting fourth and three than, than I do converting third and 11. Mm-hmm. So let me find a way to get eight yards and get it down to fourth and manageable. And I'm not afraid to go for it on fourth down because some computer you know rule says, hey, Rob, go for it on fourth and three. And, and, I, and I think that's the frustrating thing about Tennessee on Saturday against Florida. When you got them in third and long nine times, and they ended up converting seven of those either directly on third down or with the aid of fourth and short, that's a defensive problem. But I think everybody's going to play go for it on fourth and two, right, Rob? I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, just think teams are much more comfortable with that now. And especially if Tennessee's scoring 50 points a game, you know, and, and maybe you don't feel great about your defense. I mean, I bet – I mean, I'm, I think it's going to be a trend that – you know, if, if especially if you get in the game and you know Tennessee's rolling, 
uh, you know, and you're, you know, say you're on your own 40 yard line, you know, what's 20 yards of field position with the way they've been, you know, running up and down the field on, I'd rather take my chances on fourth. Well, the, the other thing too, and, and I know Shane Beamer mentioned this and, and I saw the story on Twitter about games are too long or, or whatever that case, the case may be. I mean, you look at this game against Florida and this was a game that was one of few possessions. There wasn't a ton of possessions in this game. And Tennessee still had the ball, what, 10 times? Nine times? Florida had it 10 times? And in a normal game where you get 13, 14 possessions? Yeah. I mean, no. and I think coaches with the idea of, hey, we're going to get the ball 13 times a game, they're not afraid at the 48 to go for it on fourth and two. I don't know that teams are going to go for it backed up the way – Billy Napier was willing to do it, but I think you get to midfield. I don't, I don't think teams, I don't think coaches are afraid of it as, as much as they used to be. The idea, the idea of, Hey, we're going to punt them deep and play defense. You know, I just, I think a lot of teams are playing that NFL style, Eric, where it's, we're going to give up yards and try to keep them out of field goal range. So we're okay. If the ball's at midfield, we're just gonna we're just gonna punt it back. We're not gonna punt it back. We're gonna go for it and see if we can make a play. I I think that trend will only continue to grow in football. Yeah, and again, I, I like I said on Tuesday, I think that four down territory window is growing and growing oh. and growing, and especially against as Rob pointed out, a team like Tennessee that you know can go up and score fifty points in a football game. Uh, West Tennessee, Mike. How many wide receivers, Rob? Do you think the staff trust to play meaningful snaps? <laughs> Looks like four. I, <laughs> I, I, I think they're trusting Ramel Keaton now, right? I, I'm counting them. I'm counting when, when yeah. Cedric Tillman is healthy. They obviously, they very obviously trust four guys, and and that's it. I mean, it, I don't know how else you could look at it. Are you surprised you didn't see any uh, combination of Merrill taking taking some some of those Keaton snaps or moving Hyatt out to put Squirrel in the slot? Because I thought we'd see a little bit of that. I'm surprised that we didn't see a Squirrel package of some sort, or, or that there is not a Squirrel package. Maybe there is, but I, yeah. I'm surprised that you know. Because I mean, these guys clearly—I mean, if a freshman can play, they don't—they don't have a problem playing them. I mean, Joshua Joseph, Tyree West, Elijah Herring—I mean, played <laughs> in big spots on Saturday. So I mean, I don't—I don't think it's a freshman thing. But I would, golly, I'd like to see that kid be involved. So I mean, yeah, I'm surprised Walker, you know, didn't get even sniff the field on Saturday. Well, here's yeah. the, here, here's my question: if you're if you're Alex Golish and you're Josh Heupel. The first time you throw it to Ramel Keaton, he made two people miss, and he got 16 yards and moved the sticks for a first down. Second time you threw him the football, he laid out with an unbelievable diving catch of 40 yards at the end of the first half. Knowing, knowing this, this, these two coaches are not afraid to play an entire season with three wide receivers, at that point, weren't you just rolling with those three? I mean, once, once Keaton made the first play, I mean, had he not made a play there, do you think that they're taking a risk with somebody else? But I mean, he started hot, played hot, and, and I just I think they're very comfortable, almost like a basketball team. If a guy's shooting it well and a guy's playing well, that they're gonna they're gonna ride that guy more minutes than you would ever think that they would ride him. And, and I think that's kind of the way um, this coaching staff is at the receiver position. Is if if we trust you and you're playing well, just keep on playing. Because remember, there are some snaps those guys never come off the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying they don't run a lot. But it's not like they're running verticals every play. There are some times where one side of the ball never moves. Yep. And you just stay there to catch your breath. <laughs> you you saw that a lot last year, and it used to frustrate me so much. Javante Payton would just, like, not move. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? You already got your quota in the first quarter. Like, come on, <laughs> move, right? 
Uh, one more question for West Tennessee, Mike. Uh, with Banks and Mitchell both gone after the season, does Tennessee try to land an impact uh, linebacker in the transfer portal? I mean, Brand, if it's there, they they'll take a look at him, right? Just, I mean, they they got to get one of running back, in my opinion. But just like kind of with anybody, they took a look at Steen in the off to tackle. Of course, they took Mincy, but if there's one there and it makes sense, I think they'll take one. But I don't think they're just going to take one to take one. That's kind of how I view it. Uh, hard hat Vol, when do you expect to see uh, D or Burrell suit up for a game again this season? Need more depth in the back end. Uh, we kind of mentioned that already earlier. D. Williams looks a little closer than Warren Burrell. Um, surprised by the offensive line prote- uh, pass protection so far. Eight sacks given up in four games. Last year, Tennessee had given up 13 in the same time frame. I think the, uh, Rob, I think the the offensive line, it's a better pass protecting offensive line than run blocking offensive line. Javante Sprague is doing well. I think Gerald, uh, Gerald Mincy, though, struggling against Florida, I think he's shown he's a pretty good pass protector. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> Sprague is, is most improved, I, I think, by far. I think just about everybody would agree with that. And um, I wouldn't get – I mean, I think they are better at pass protection than they were last year, but, you know, they, they played two teams in, in four games. Let's see what that number looks like once they roll, start rolling through the, an SEC schedule. But I, I do think they're better. I don't – you know, I, I don't mean to be flippant about it. And and I thought – we haven't talked – we haven't touched on it yet. I, I thought the run game against Florida – I mean, that, they really impressed me. And I, know, I know the Gators have given up some numbers to people, but uh, as bad as Tennessee looked at Pitt running the football, I, I thought that was a, a big step in, in the right direction for them up front. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that, uh, I mean, obviously, Hendon was running the ball well in the first half, but it's really good to see Jabari Small get it going. And sometimes it just takes one run. He was a different guy after that 39-yard run where he made a guy miss the second level. Good. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times you ran, you know, right up the middle of the – you know, the formation, but you, you gained four yards, four, four and a half, instead of just getting back to the line yeah. of scrimmage. They, they were um, averaging right at six yards a pop until that last drive, you know, when Florida knew it was coming and, and they were yeah. jamming the box. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good to see. It was good to see for sure. I was a little worried about that because you knew the you knew the, the number would be there because Hendon would run, but as far as the backs, but it ultimately got there. Uh, big Orange Possum, Brent Hubs. Why did Jawan Mitchell play more than Aaron Beasley on Saturday? Uh, the snap count, both Banks and Beasley were in the 60s. Uh, excuse me, both Banks and Mitchell were in the 60s, and Beasley was at like 38. Um, I, they, they've mentioned a time or two that, hey, Mitchell was a starter coming out of camp, and he's going to play, and he certainly played, but he almost doubled the snap count of Aaron Beasley on Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just wonder if that's a, a, a you know, Aaron Beasley's played well, and he played well early, but it, there was, there's a lot of sea ball hit ball with him, I think. Um, and so maybe there was a little bit more comfort level and, and some of the other responsibility stuff. I, I don't think, I, I don't think anything, anybody bes- behind the front four on defense played well. Um, so we'll see what that looks like moving forward at the linebacker position. But um, Mitchell was a starter before he got, you know, and, and couldn't play those first couple of games. Um, I thought Bigsley played well, but, but I mean, they've clearly worked hard the last two weeks to get Mitchell on the field and get him involved. I think he's got to play better than, than what he's done to this point. Cause I, but again, I don't know all the responsibilities. I mean, is Aaron Beasley running himself into some plays he shouldn't have been in those first couple of games? I don't know. I thought he was really good at Pittsburgh. I, I thought Aaron Beasley played really well at Pittsburgh. Maybe that setup, you know, was better for his game, but, but I thought he played particularly well in that Pittsburgh game. So I'm a little surprised at those snap cap numbers. But even if Aaron Beasley was running, running like a madman and, and making plays where he, when he shouldn't have been the one making plays, you're not going to get a, 
a minus on the grade card for that, right? It's like, oh, well, you should have done that, but you were there and you finished the play. Good for you. It's like, if you make a mistake, make it 100 miles an hour, and that might have been what he was doing. But he's going to play a whole lot. I, again, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm, I'm not sure why there's 18 snaps going out the solo page at this point when you have three healthy backers. Elijah Herring's got a package in there. I was going to say, yeah. and Herring. Yeah, Elijah Herring has a package in there. He gets some PT in, in third and fourth down situations, but – don't you um, think it felt like it, at one point that, that Brian Jean-Marie was just trying to find a linebacker who could play some zone coverage, somebody who wasn't making some of the mental mistakes? I mean, it almost felt like he was grasping a little bit at straws, which, you know, it, it, I mean, at least he took a, a run at some guy, you know, trying to get a different guy back there. I mean, in the secondary, they played some different corners. They obviously, as you mentioned, didn't touch the safeties. That They just weren't close to any wide receiver to make a play. Neither, yeah. neither None of them. So – We'll, we'll see if they can figure that out this open date. I mean, Josh Heupel said he needs tighter coverage. I asked him why he didn't have tighter coverage, and he didn't want to dive into why he, his, his secondary and linebackers weren't playing tighter than, than what they were playing through four games. I couldn't even hear his answer. He, he said it so quick. He's like, I just I don't want to answer this. I couldn't even hear it. Um, I will say this, last thing on this. They, they had one defensive series. It wasn't the whole series, but it was after Haddon went out for that one play. They had a combination of, of turnage of Rucker, of Page on the field at the same time, and that just uh, – for zone coverage, that that shouldn't happen. You should avoid I that I thought, at all I thought Hubbard asked Pipe about injuries there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was so curt. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, got a basketball question, Rob. Any news on the uh, how the hoop visitors went over last weekend, specifically Maddox and Passmore? Any other names come to mind? Uh, pass, I mean, Passmore is the is the one to keep in mind. But they're all I mean, young kids and not not close to doing anything. But Tennessee is and um, Passmore's a, a junior currently. Um, he was here on campus back in the spring or back in the summer for camp. Getting it back over here this weekend was big and. Also, because Tennessee was piling that on top of the school visit, coaches had just been in there uh, to see him, and so to put together a visit just a couple week, a couple of days after that, you know, says so he's still in Tennessee right now, but he's also just it's it's way early, but he's he's one to keep an eye on for next year. Let's go to Bruce underscore Vol. Uh, what position is Tennessee recruiting Boo Carter at Brent Hubs? What position does he want to play? If it's DB, is it corner or safety? In the summer, Tennessee really liked him as a defense. I mean, they like him at both, but they liked him as a defensive back in a corner. Brent, tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like if if, if Tennessee's going to get a Boo Carter, if he, if they're going to be a player for this, it's whatever position Boo Carter wants to play. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I think it's 100%. I think Boo Carter's an athlete who can play, play either side of the ball. 
Uh, I think a lot of people have seen him as a defensive back. Um, and, and we'll see where um, we'll, we'll see where that gets to. But um, that that's kind of my feeling right now is Boo Carter can wherever wherever he says he wants to play is where Tennessee's going to recruit him at right now. Now Willie Martinez has got that territory, um, and Willie Martinez has had more conversations with Boo Carter than anybody else on staff. So there's part of the defensive back conversation as well. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's probably what he is in college. Uh, but to, to land him, I think a lot of schools are going to tell him he can play anywhere he wants to play. Yeah, real, real, uh, real good athlete. Uh, let's go to hitter. Uh, is the lack of rotation on offense a hypo thing, or is it due to uh, still rebuilding the roster here? Is this something that occurred back at UCF and at Missouri as well? You guys might know that answer more than I do. Um, I just think it's about trust, and I think it's a part of that's because of you know maybe it's a rebuilding situation, but. They played three guys at receiver last year. They're playing three this year, now maybe four. You look at the secondary, those two saviors are playing every snap. I think it's a, it's just the trust in where the roster is right now compared to where it needs to be. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, again, coaches are going to lean Rob to, to guys that they trust. Um, and if that means they, they tighten up their rotations and shorten it down, they've clearly shown that they're willing to do that on offense. And uh, I think they've shown – uh, some have shown that more on defense than others. I give Rodney Garner credit. He's played a bunch more guys, right? Even some guys he doesn't trust, probably didn't trust a whole lot. He's he's pushed them out there to see where he can get. I think it's going to pay off with Bryson Eason. I, I do. I think it's paying off with Elijah Simmons. I don't think Elijah Simmons ever going to play 25, 30 snaps for you, but I think he's going to give you 15 quality snaps. You'd like to get Eason up to 20, 25 quality snaps there. Um Every coach handles it different, right? I mean, and every coach in the preseason said what, Rob? We're going to play more guys. We're going to play more guys. Four games in, there's some doing that. There's some not doing that. And, I mean, I, I get it. And, I mean, Hubbard, it's, I mean, every coach struggles with it. You don't know where the line is. I mean, is it a guy I trust? Is it a guy that I know is not going to make a mistake? Or is it the kid who's more talented? But, you know, there's a 50-50 chance he's going to have a bust on, you know, on any given play. And it's – I mean, it's it's a it's a conundrum, and like I said, I get it, and it's easy for me to sit here and say it, but I would, you know, I, I, I'm always, and again, because I'm not going to get fired if it goes wrong, but it's just I would always like the young kids. I mean, if it's if it's about talent, I would I would always play the more talented guy and just either dumb things down or really really try to coach them up. Uh, let's go to Henderson Vol fifteen. Where do you expect Tennessee to turn to for another running back in this 23 class? I know we get this this question a lot. Deshaun Bishop will continue to be an option, depending on how he plays, of course, and they they do the senior eval. Um, you know, Roderick Robinson's a guy that Tennessee will, you know, will continue to talk to as long as he'll listen. Uh, I think the transfer portal is very much an option for sure. But uh, another name to keep an eye on potentially, Khalifa Keith. Uh, he is a, a Kentucky commits at running back. Tennessee's not offered him yet. But, Brent, I think that that could be something in the next couple of weeks that Tennessee does offer him once they get out and see him. Uh, maybe his name is folded to into the mix. But I think regardless, you know, Tennessee's going to have to add one. Is You'll know, probably be through the transfer portal at minimum uh, for this running back room. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, Roderick Robinson's name shown up for months now. At some point, he's got to come to campus for that to get really real for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to come he's got to come across the country and see that. I know he's got ties to the south. But at some point, he's got to make a trip to see that before I get – you know, in the thought process that that's, that's real for Tennessee. Uh, but they're obviously continued to evaluate guys out there. They're not stopped evaluating Deshaun Bishop. You mentioned the kid who's committed to Kentucky Keith. They're not stopping there. 
Uh, and again, I think they're going to be backs available in the portal, but you got to be careful, right? I mean, you don't want you don't want a back who you got to find out why they're transferring. Rob Lewis, you've talked about this for since the transfer portal came into play. You got to know exactly why the guy's leaving, but before you jump all all in and on board, and I think that's something coaches around the country are discovering more and more every year with the transfer portal. Yeah, you don't want to take somebody else's problem. You know, that's especially when. I mean, I think Coach Heupel has done a great job at building culture here at, at Tennessee. And, and I don't want to get sidetracked, but just – I know we're talking about running backs, but transfers in general, I mean, it seems like an easy answer. But, again, you got to you got to do some research. And Roderick Robinson's still committed to UCLA. That's that, – that, I, I, I check almost every day. It's <laughs> so – I mean, that's like – that's going to be like the softest commitment in, in maybe the history of, of, of football. I mean, hey – Arian Carter is still committed to Memphis and he's gotten 15 power five offers in the last, you know, couple of days or whatever. So, but at least he's got those in the last couple of days. Yeah. Roger Crowders has been committed to UCLA for months, months, yeah. months and nobody I mean, how, thinks he's going to UCLA. I mean, how bad would it feel to be a UCLA recruit and like to see all that stuff on social media of, you know, the, the attendance at the home games, that's, man, that's got to be a really tough job for the coaches to deal with that because you know, everybody, is, is trying to poach the recruiting list. I mean, Brent, I heard you lead off sports talk with this. I guess it was last week, but golly, what a horrible, horrible look that was two weekends ago. I mean, it's sad, really. It's so sad. I just don't I'm like tell- football. I'm telling you, there's a flea market around the Rose Bowl, around around in Pasadena, that is a common place every, basically every weekend. Now, they adjust hours for home games, but it's there on Friday. It's there Saturday morning. I bet they had as many people going through the flea market in Pasadena as they had in the stands watching based on that picture we saw on Twitter. Well, it's, 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 it's I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. All right. Let's, uh, let's stay with you hubs. This looks like a good question for you partially because I know you've already looked it up. Matt's 42012. If Tennessee beats LSU, when was the last time Alabama and UT met both undefeated? Rob Lewis, you got a guess? I, I, it, I'll guess. Is it 95? No, not 95. Tennessee lost to Florida in 95 oh, that's before right. they played Alabama, so they were not unbeaten. That's right. Eric Kane, uh, if you guess the answer, because I gave you the answer, that's not a fair guess. Is that, 1989. Is that where you're going? 1989 wow. is the last time. In 90, Tennessee was had two ties. Alabama was unranked and had losses come in. That's everybody's favorite 9-6 Tennessee loss, which was awful. Then you just got to start looking at Florida wins. 95, Tennessee uh, lost to Florida, beat Alabama. 96, they lost to Florida. 97, they lost to Florida. 98, Tennessee was unbeaten, but Alabama was not. Uh, 99, 2000, all losses to Florida. 01, Tennessee beats Florida late in the year, but they lost to Georgia uh, on the hobnail boot game after the unbelievable screen pass play. And I can go on and on, but it's pretty – Pretty evident once you get up to losing 16 of 17, there's not many opportunities for you to be unbeaten when you get to the Crimson Tide. And so you got to go back to 1989, according to my re- quick research of things. That was an that was an SEC championship team that Tennessee had in 89 uh, that lost to Alabama that day, 47 to 30. Uh, both those teams were in the top 10 when they met each other in 89. There you was, go. That a Jefferson, was that a Jefferson Pilot broadcast? Do, do you know? I think that was a, J- a Jefferson Pilot broadcast, and that was the game that it was Andy Kelly, Sterling, hitting kind of back and forth at quarterback, trying to figure out what to do there. 
that if that, I'm not mistaken, that that year and that quarterback situation, I think it took five years off my father's life. <laughs> it, it was tough. I remember that was, a, that was a really good 11 and one Tennessee team. They just did, they didn't have anything for Alabama on that day. That's for sure. I remember it like it was yesterday, guys. Yeah, sure you do. You, you weren't even kicking slats out of your crib at that point in time. <laughs> All right, here's a really good question. We, we'll, we'll do a couple more here. We're running out of time, but here's a good one. Uh, this is from Old Mac. Rob, why don't you go first? Would Heupel's system translate to the NFL? I mean, I, I like, don't I want to say that, no, but then again, I don't know the X's why? and O's well enough, but I don't know why not. I mean, you yeah. see more and more. I mean, you see more and more of what, you know, I think there used to be, you know, kind of a prejudice against, you know, college football versus NFL football, but I think it's going the other way now. I mean, you, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is in the pros because of his offensive, you know, philosophy. I, I don't know if you could go that fast in the NFL like they do, but I mean, as far as like scheming guys open and, you know, what, what they do in, in, in the past game, I would, I would hazard to guess that it could work. I mean, I still think at the end of the day, it's mostly about Jimmy's and Joe's. It's a passing game. I mean, at all levels. And I just don't know about the, I don't know about the, um, I don't know about the speed part of it. And I don't know about all the protection part of it. It seems like there's some times that Tennessee's almost turning a guy loose in protection um, because their things are going so fast. I think that would be one of the things would be the protection part. The, the difference, some people have asked me this, like, well, it didn't work for Spurrier. Spurrier didn't have enough route adjustments for his wide receivers, right? I mean, that, that was the biggest thing. Th- this whole system of hypels is about route adjustments for wide receivers. I mean, that, that's that part of it, I think, totally translates to the NFL because the NFL receivers have to read. That's why they have route trees. They have to read what to do and, and, and where to go based off coverage, which is a lot of what Josh Heupel's wide receivers have to do. It's not just take off running fast. You know, and, and so I think that part of it definitely translates. Last question goes to Matt Brad one thoughts on Byron Young through the first four games with the way he played the back half of last season, thought he would take another step forward and be an all SEC caliber player this season, been fairly quiet this far outside of the final play against Florida. I'll say this. He did have a sack against Florida, but it was a penalty on Florida and they accepted it. So they wiped the sack off the board. Um Maybe not a whole lot of sacks. In fact, I don't have the numbers. He, I don't know if he's gotten one sack so far this season. Uh, Rob, he has hit the quarterback so many times. You want to get home, I get it. Um, but he is he is in he's back there. He is making a difference. Of course, you uh, the uh, Matt uh, reached uh, he he wrote the final play of Florida, but he's been in the backfield and hitting the quarterback a lot. So it's not like he's done nothing. Uh, what have you thought on on Byron Young? Not, not as disruptive as I anticipated he would be, and that was you know based off last year, based off the the talk that you know, we heard in, in fall camp. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying he's been bad, but at all, but he has not looked like a, you know, first team all SEC guy right now. I mean, that's, if you're a first team all SEC edge guy, you know, you're probably a first round draft pick or, or close yeah. to it. And and he's, I mean, Byron's not at that level right now, you know, one sack through four games. And, and like you say, he, he has gotten there and, and, you know, hit the quarterback here and there, but I, I thought he would be much more disruptive to this point than he has been. A lot of quarterback hurries, um, which I think is a bit of a skewed stat sometimes, right? I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're, you can be your home team um, statistician and give that a little better than, than you get it on the road. But, I mean, he had, according to the stat book, he had four hurries against Florida. He had two hurries against Akron, three hurries against Pitt. 
including a sack, two tackles for loss. He had a quarterback hurry against Ball State. Um, I think he's got to finish better, Eric. I think he's got to play with his hands a little bit better. Um, I think teams are paying a lot of attention to him, so he's getting some chips and some different things that way. Uh, he could benefit from somebody on the other side being more effective as a pass rusher, which is why I think some Joshua Josephs wouldn't be a bad thing in his life to, to try to get that down. But, um, look, he's a physical specimen who's still a pretty raw football player in terms of understanding how to bend and use his arms and hands the right way. I'm with Rob. I thought he would have – if you just told me through the month of September he had one sack, I would have told you you, you were crazy because I thought he would be more productive than that. I don't think he's been bad, but mm -hmm. I do think he would have been more productive in the stat sheet than what he's been. Now, obviously, he was the second-half player a season ago. He didn't get on the field till what, game three, and it took him a little while, so we'll see. Uh, certainly not the true halfway point of the season, even though it feels like it with a bye week. Uh, we'll see if he can continue to pick it up, at least on the stat sheet as the season continues. Uh, tons of questions. Sorry if we didn't get to it. We only have a certain amount of time, so really, really do appreciate you guys every Thursday right here at VolQuest.com, the Mailbag Podcast. $1 for one year. Sign up now if you're listening and haven't already. Uh, no better time. Tennessee's about to go on a big SEC run uh, of games, so $1 for one year complete coverage of VolQuest.com. And as always, support the podcast and support the site on YouTube by searching VolQuest. For Brent Hubs and Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening to the Ballquest Mailback Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ballquest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on Ballquest. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.